0: welcome to so how do you the podcast that's your little black book for interiors i'm your host laura jackson and in every episode i'm going to be speaking to two guests who will give you both design inspiration and practical know-how if you've listened to this podcast before you'll know I love to discover and choose eco-friendly interior options, whether it's using planet-conscious paint or getting creative with reclaimed materials. But there's just so much more that we can do to make all of our houses more environmentally friendly. This week, my guests live in extremely efficient homes and the good news is you can too because they're going to be sharing all of their eco-home advice whether your home is new or old. First up, we're going to be hearing from Robin Charlesworth, who built an eco home in his back garden, moved into it and then sold his original house. Then you're going to hear my conversation with Hannah Wilkinson, who has retrospectively made her 1990s bungalow more eco-friendly, a task that I never thought would be possible. Before we get into the podcast this week, I wanted to tell you about my wonderful sponsor, Wix, who you're gonna hear more about over the series. I feel like they are the perfect fit, offering ideas and advice when making improvements to your home from helping to save energy, something I know we are all thinking about, to making small changes that make a big difference. Paint is an ideal place to start for a quick and easy transformation. Refreshing those tired, scuffed walls will reinvigorate your home, while adding color and bringing a new level of style. Or maybe if you're feeling a bit adventurous, then you could tile your fireplace for a really cost-effective way to transform a room and create a focal point. Now, if that's sounding like a bit too much, start small, build up your skills. You can really achieve great results with small tweaks, such as changing things like door handles. You don't need to swap out the kitchen sink, but those bathroom taps might be in need of replacing. Follow along as we cover all this and more this series. For more information on how to get started, visit wix.co.uk. Let's begin with Robin. Robin knows all about eco-homes, as in 2019, he built his very own in his garden. The project was such a success that it led him to setting up his own eco-construction company, White Broom. Now, listen, I know that building an eco-home in your garden isn't an option for most of us because one, we don't have gardens that are big enough, and two, we don't have that sort of budget. However... Robin is so well-versed on eco bills. I'm hoping that he can enlighten us all and break down what can feel like quite overwhelming terminology in this specific area. Robin, I'm really looking forward to speaking to you because I don't know anything about eco-homes. So I'm quite excited to learn how I can make improvements to the way that I live through learning about what you've done.
1: Well, I'm excited to talk to you, Laura, because I am a big fan of eco-homes and I am happy to talk to anybody, <laughs> anybody about them. Whoever they are.
0: And so why did you decide to build an eco-home two years ago? Was it a passion project or a purpose project?
1: I think it started off as a purpose project. So we'd you know, bought a flat and we'd renovated it and then we'd moved and we'd bought a house and we'd renovated it. And I was probably like much of uh, lots of people who just wanted to work for themselves and be a bit of a property developer. And I thought, we'll sell our house and we'll go and find another project. And what happened is 95 Robinson Road came up and it was something a bit different and it had a big garden and it had the potential to try and get for planning permission to build a house in the back garden. So we bought it and we went for permission to build a bungalow in the back. And it probably started out as a purpose project to try and make some money and potentially it's somewhere to live and I think probably through the process of designing it, talking to people, researching, it just turned into a real passion project. Not a labour of love, I think might be a bit tough to call it that, but it has turned into something that has really become something that I am really passionate.
0: I said, did you know anything about Eco Homes before you started?
1: I've seen Grand Design.
0: (laughs) Well, as much as <laughs> well as much about eco homes then as I know, because I think that's where my knowledge has come from television and bits of reading. I mean, watching grand designs and then doing your own feels quite scary. So, how did you even start researching?
1: Yeah, I didn't really know anything about eco homes, and it's like anything; everything's on the internet. You've just got to know where to find it, and you've got to know which sources to trust. And it's it was there's a lot of research. There was talking to anybody I knew who in construction who might have done something similar, talking to my contractor. Nobody I found personally had built one or had lived in one. And actually lots of advice you get given is from assumed past offers, as gospel but it's not so actually, until think you've built one lived in one you know understanding how these different elements of the building interplay with each other and the impact it can have on the conditions within the house and you personally and how you feel living here is difficult to know so lots of research many many hours on the internet
0: i mean you're keen to call your home a low energy home rather than an eco home why is that
1: you know the word eco it's on everything so I think it doesn't really mean anything. The principle behind it's great, right? I mean, the intentions behind it are good, but I think, and you can build an eco home from any perspective you like. You could build it out of straw bales and cob because you get the materials locally, and that's gonna be an eco home. But the eco home for me, the one that we built, the focus of making eco was on low energy, sort of post occupancy or during occupancy. So we probably use a fifth, of the energy that we used to use and of that energy we probably generate about 80 percent of it so in terms of energy from the grid it's a fraction of what we used to use so i think what's really key about it is not that we've used a load of locally sourced eco materials although we have done some of that is actually it just has a low impact on energy use and a low impact therefore on carbon emissions
0: I mean, what sort of materials did you use to build your eco-home, external and internal? And how do they differ, if, if they do at all, to non-eco-homes?
1: Well, we built the structure from SIPs, so structurally insulated panels. So this is like the kits. These are the kits. You see them all the time on Grand Design. You design it on the computer. It goes off to a factory. They manufacture it. They bring it on a lorry and they put it up in a few days. Like a kit build house, essentially. It is, yeah, it is, it is a kit, it is a kit, but if you only get the structure, it's sort of, you're left with bare walls and, a, you know, timber walls and a timber roof. But that process in itself is, you know, it's low waste because it's manufactured in a factory, it's made of timber, the insulation's fully recyclable. So it's low impact on your neighbours when you're doing construction because it goes up in a matter of days. It's manufactured in the UK, and that in itself is a eco-ish way of building things. There's no cement, you know, there's less concrete, which, is, which is, has a high carbon um, content. Internally, what we did is we, because our objective was really to build this low energy, we used the materials that we thought were most appropriate to hit that objective. So when we were looking for windows and doors, actually, we were really concerned about how airtight are they, how in... What's their U values, their overall U values? And actually the material choice was sort of secondary for us. As it happens, you know, the big sliding doors and the, the windows that we've got, they're all big thick timber frames. So that's great. But the truth is, if they'd been made of composite materials with an aluminium cladding on the outside and they'd had better U values, we might have used them. So again, I think this is where you're coming from with your eco. Are you bothered about getting your local guy who lives around the corner, who's getting the wood from a local forest to manufacture the windows? That's eco. Or are you more bothered about... It's your objective difference. And ours was about energy.
0: I mean, how do you go about sourcing all of these materials? Because... You're partly relying on trust, aren't you? If you're finding them on the internet and someone's telling you it's this and it's got these properties and they have the same values as you, I don't, sometimes I'm a bit sceptical now. as like you say, the word eco is bounced around quite a lot.
1: Uh, that's t- That's really true. There are lots of companies who do have these, who hold the same values and have gone through all the due diligence and sourcing process that you would want them to go to. And if you can find those trusted suppliers, then they've done a lot of that work for you. Finding them, it's, it's difficult. And it's, it's a case of searching on the internet, looking for reviews, looking at past projects that they've done, research, looking for their certification. What does it actually mean? You know, We, we use the, the green building store. I mean, they have loads of information and loads of products on there. And you can tell as a company that they are very much into eco side of it Well, that's all they do is the eco side of it if you're buying from somebody like that you know you can buy with your as much confidence as you can I guess but you never know you never know that's the truth
0: so I guess the main point is keeping the house well insulated and creating your own energy to use for the house so how like windows and doors are obviously really important for keeping the house well insulated, and then having things like solar panels for creating your own energy. Am I just really simplifying it?
1: <laughs> no, it's that's it. it. It's dead simple. It's all about insulation, continuity of insulation, and airtightness. They are the things that will make you a low energy home. So. You need to make sure that you don't just insulate, you know, if you've got a, an old house, for example, or even a new house, just you don't just have loads of insulation in your loft, but then don't have an insulated or very well tight fitting loft hatch because you're yeah, the kind of continuity and you have to make sure where your insulation in your walls you might have well-insulated cavity wall, or you might have a SIPs panel or some overboarding with some insulation back plasterboard. That's all great, but you have to make sure that where that insulation meets the ceiling or where it meets the roof or where it meets the floor, there's a continuity of insulation there. What you don't want is you don't want this gap, this thermal bridge where you get these cold spots. That can, A, it just gets cold, but B, it will attract moisture and it will give you condensation, it give you mold.
0: I know a little bit about having a heat pump as well in a home that is low energy. Can you talk to me about why they are so important and what they actually do?
1: Yeah, I mean, who's not talking about heat pumps? I mean, Jeremy Vine's got a section on it every other week, it seems. But uh, I think just looking for the alternative to gas boilers is really difficult. And there's traditional alternatives, like electric alternatives, are, you know, these... You're going to get modern sort of storage heaters and things like that. But other than that, or an, an electric combi boiler, but other than that, it's difficult to know how to provide heating and hot water. So heat pumps are, the, are probably the future.
0: If you wanted to install a heat pump in, say, your terraced Victorian UK home, can you even do that without it costing you a bajillion pounds?
1: Yeah, definitely. You definitely can't. But it's a complicated equation. So it's essentially just a replacement for your normal boiler. You hook it up to a hot water tank and your central heating system. It runs around your normal heating pipes and it just powers your radiators, but it it runs at a lower temperature. So it might run at say 40 degrees instead of 60. And obviously if you've got your radiators are cooler, you're gonna need bigger radiators to provide the same amount of heat. So you might need to upgrade the size of your radiators if you don't have a pressurized system already, and maybe you've got like plastic piping, whether your the joints in your pipe work are strong enough to take it, I've seen that before. And obviously, you need somewhere to put the heat pump. They do make a bit of noise, they can be quite big. So there's lots to consider. But the main thing, if you're going to buy a heat pump and you've got an old Victorian terrace house, before you do it, you need to just spend money on insulation and draft proofing. Otherwise, it's going to cost you so much to run it that you're going to hate it. Mm. It's
0: this, I, it feels like the situation where you, you say, "Oh, I've got mice," and they come around and they're like, "Yeah, because you've got holes all, there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all there's like yeah. cracks in your floorboard and holes in your walls." So um, yeah, kind of yeah that that makes a lot of sense. I, I feel like with everything that's happening in the world right now and cost of living. This all does sound quite expensive, and yes, we want to do the right thing, and yes, we want to contribute to the future of our planet. But right now we are in a in a bit of a crash, to be honest. So like transparently, how expensive was it doing your your home? What were the most expensive things, and maybe the the more cost- effective options that you chose?
1: So if you want to build an eco house, it is more expensive than building a normal house. Everything is more expensive, not just to buy, but to install.
0: Why is that if we're trying to get people to make greener decisions?
1: It's everything's better quality. So if I think about the windows, uh, you know, we've got these nice patio doors behind us. They're timber frames, they're triple glazed, and they're class four airtight. So if you want that, they weigh 600 kilos. And because they're class four airtight, they come as one unit. So the outside frame, the glass, everything is together. Whereas a normal, normally they would come as a piece of glass. And then maybe you've got an aluminium frame and a couple of guys assemble them on site. But if you want the airtightness, you want the insulation, you want the thicker windows, then there's more stuff involved in manufacturing it. But not only that, you can't carry them. You know, We had to have a massive crane to lift them over the house. We had to get a glazing robot to carry them down the garden. We had to have additional guys on site. So the whole thing, just to install those windows, not only were they more expensive to buy, they were probably about two grand more expensive to install. And that's repeated through the process. So if you want a green roof, the green roof costs about four or five grand just to buy this, the trays and the wildflower matting and things you've got to have a stronger roof because that roof could weigh 14 tons when it's wet. So it's about four times stronger than it would be otherwise. You've got to have a thicker membrane to stop the roofs going in. If it's airtight, you're going to need an MVHR system, which is a ventilation system. That, so our MVHR and so our ventilation and our heating system got 30K. If we hadn't had that, we probably just could have got a gas boiler and it probably would have cost us five. And that is repeated all the way through. But what I will say... <laughs> oh my God,
0: I'm like, this is very expensive.
1: <laughs> what I will say is it's the wrong way to look at this.
0: Mm. And you know I'm uh, Northern though, don't you? You love, I kind of love I, a bargain. I, so. I, I, so, well, there's only so one way I. I'm looking at
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> so am I, so am I. But it, so payback, I always hear the words payback. If someone's getting solar. They'll say, it's going to cost me four grand to put solar on my roof. And it's going to save me 400 quid. It's going to to take me 10 years to get my money back. And I just think you are looking at this the wrong way. When else are you buying things based on their payback? When you go and buy your car, you don't think, well, I've currently got a 10-year-old car. If I get a new one, it's going to do twice as many miles per gallon. Therefore, it'll take me this many years to get my money back. You don't, you go, oh, I'd like a BMW, but I can only afford a Skoda. But, you know, it's plush and it's nice and it makes me feel and it drives well. That's how you should be thinking about it. Because once you've got these things in your home, it's not just for show. And it's not just for me to virtue signal and tell everyone that I've got this great eco home. When you live in it, it's a much, much nicer place to live. It's always warm. In the middle of winter, it can be snowing outside and you can wake up for a wee at two in the morning and our bedroom is 20 degrees and there's no heating on. We have never, ever had the heating on in our bedroom. And that's not because like you, I'm northern. I like it freezing cold. I don't, I love it nice and warm. And actually there's a consistency of temperature you get in the house. And that's obviously there's low energy bills, which is great, but it's not just that, it's the comfort levels. It is like a different quality of experience you get living there. So just to look at it in terms of cost, don't buy the BMW, buy the Skoda and spend the money that you've saved on some solar panels and the battery and then live carbon free. I mean...
0: Yeah. You had me at the bedroom, is always warm in the winter because I mean, <laughs> when we all live in England, we know how cold and miserable it can get in the winter and the fact that it sounds like it self-regulates the temperature within the house, which is great. What are the tips and tricks then if we don't live in a carbon neutral home that we can... If we're doing a renovation, for instance, and we've bought a Victorian house that we can kind of put into service. What's your personal advice on that for people who just can't really make those big changes yet?
1: You've got to start with insulation. I mean, that's all you've got to do. You've got to start with insulation and continuity of insulation and airtightness. They are the three things you need to focus on. And that is easier said than done, because if you live in an old house, how do you insulate your walls and how do you insulate your floors? They are really difficult things to do. But what you can do is you can make sure that your your cat flap's not leaking air, that your letterbox isn't leaking air. We, We don't have a letterbox, you know, make sure it isn't leaking air. Are your extractor fans in your kitchen and your bathroom, are they just blowing in the wind? Have you got plenty of insulation in your loft? and how well sort of spread out is that? How well does your loft hatch fit? All those things will help um, in terms of improving the fabric efficiency of your building. And then after you've done those things, you should then move on to things like your bubbly taps and your induction hops, because of course they help, but you you need to start with the basics. You need to start with just reduction, a reduction in energy usage through improving the fabric of your building because that will improve your quality of life as well as improve as well as reducing your carbon.
0: Okay, so it seems as though the most important component of an eco home is insulation. But what if you're not building to spec and you're living in an older home, a Victorian home where the retrospective eco options are slightly limited? Well, my next guest, Hannah Wilkinson, has all of the answers. Yay! Hannah runs the Instagram page at The Green Bungalow, which is used to document the retrofitting journey of her 1990s bungalow. I was very keen to speak to Hannah because her house proves how much can be done with an older home to make it more energy efficient. Hannah's going to be telling us what she's done to increase her energy efficiency rating, lower her energy bills, and is also going to be chatting about the standards, guides and regulations to look into if you're on a mission to make your home a green haven. So Hannah, tell us a bit about your home and when it was built.
2: Uh, So our home is an agricultural bungalow and it was built in the 1990s. And an agricultural bungalow means that it's kind of ring fence that only people that have worked in agriculture either currently or in the past can buy it and so it was a property that was built by the previous owner so it's only had one previous owner and they built it as a retirement home and essentially it was empty for about four and a half five years because of the agricultural tie nobody could buy it so we we were really lucky that we were able to get hold of it and it means that we can work with the building that's already there to try and make it
0: into the eco home
2: that, that we're dreaming of, really. So,
0: yeah. How, I mean, I've never heard of an agricultural bungalow. Um, <laughs> what, how, how do you even build? Like, how do you, one, I mean, I don't even know anyone <laughs> who would build a house would know about an agricultural bungalow either. So, I mean, how did the the previous owners go about building it under that status?
2: Yeah, so the agricultural bungalow is usually kind of where there's a claim for needing to live close to the land, needing to work the land, So the people that owned it previously, they've got a number of fields that surround us and then they've carved off a little bit of the land for their home. But the reason why it was empty for so long is because there's not kind of enough land for farmers to buy the property and farm the the land surrounding and and kind of make enough money. It was a retirement home. So with the two of like me and Tom, we've been able to afford the property in, in a way that I think a lot of people couldn't. That's why it was for sale for a long time. Um, Because there's kind of two of us coming coming at it rather than just one farmer. So, so are you and Tom farmers? Are you both farmers? So Tom is a farmer. um, He's from a farming family, and he still works as a farm manager and an occasional kind of milker. Um, I'm not. I'm very new to farming. (laughs) I help out a little bit, Um, but yeah, Tom
0: Tom is is the agricultural one between us. (laughs) Well, do you know what? That is just so nice to hear because it's so hard to get a house now, and Mm. the fact that you know, farming is not an easy career path. So the fact that it's given you a leg up to be able to mm-hmm. buy a house, I think is like, is really lovely. Yeah. What are the benefits of retrofitting a home in this kind of eco way that you're doing it rather than building it from the ground up?
2: I suppose the first thing is cost. So to build an eco home from scratch, it can be very expensive because you're using high quality materials. You usually have to consult some architecture that's informed in terms of green building, and essentially, when what we're doing in retrofitting is, we're taking a building that's already there, so we're not having to build a building from scratch. So we're saving a lot of money in terms of what we would have done to build from new, but we've also already noticed massive reduction in our bills from just from retrofitting. So even if you're not got this kind of perfect standard um, of a green home. Our approach is it's much better if there's lots of people doing eco stuff imperfectly rather than like two people doing it perfectly you know what I mean it's much better to do whatever we can uh, in whatever form that takes so the, the joy of a retrofit is that you can do your own little bit in, in whatever kind of extent is possible and um, if that means just kind of insulating your loft a little bit more that's great if it, if you can afford to replace your windows with triple glazed, even better but it's all about taking those steps. Um, Our approach anyway is is to do what we can with what we've got, Mm -hmm. knowing that we're never going to do it perfectly. So in terms of the retrofit, we're informed by two key kind of bodies of knowledge. The first is the Passive House Standard and the second is the AECB Retrofit Standard. So there's these two kind of guides that people can find. You know, there's a lot of information out there if people want to have a look. The AECB is the Association for Environmentally Conscious Building. And that, the reason why we've come to that is because my dad is part of that. So he's an eco-architect and he, he's the kind of driving force of knowledge. We're very lucky that we can just kind of ring him mm-hmm. and say, Dad, you know I mean? We need some info. But the AECB have put a lot of resources out there. So if anybody's interested, have a little Google, uh, look at the retrofit standard of the AECB, and there's a load of resources there that people can access for free. Um, They do do training programs as well if people want to kind of learn how to install stuff themselves. But it's all about these kind of standards of how we can make our existing buildings better. And one of the first ways that we do that is the kind of fabric first test, which is improving the existing building wherever we can. So insulation is key. (laughs) Like, insulation is key. There's a reason why Insulate Britain are gluing themselves to the N25. Insulation is really important and it's a really quick and cost efficient way to make your home more energy efficient Um, and it's all about reducing heat loss so the more that you can make your home airtight the more energy efficient it's going to be because you're not losing heat and you're also not letting the cold inside as well so yeah insulation airtightness, and then if you can triple glazing or at least double glazing Uh, are those kind of foundational principles of of the retrofit, really. And then you move into your renewable energies. You start to move into then solar power. So you've got solar thermal, which is hot water, kind of, and then solar PV is your electricity. So with solar thermal, we're going to need a big tank, a big water tank, which is a cost, and that's what we're saving up for. So it's all these kind of little baby steps to move as close as you can to that kind of passive house standard. Essentially, a home that is a constant temperature, it's airtight and it means that there's kind of minimal moisture in the building and you're just going to have a home that's going to be comfortable to live in but it's also going to be sustainable and protect the home as well and that's one thing again with insulation you're protecting the fabric of your building Mm. which saves money.
0: (laughs) I mean how have you approached this project then because I mean you mentioned about saving up for the boiler I guess you've had to do it Mm -hmm. in phases.
2: Yeah definitely and this is where I kind of say it's about what you can do with what you've got when we first bought the home, because we had the agricultural tie on the property, we needed a 10% deposit because of the banks, we were kind of more risky market to lend to. So we used more money in our deposit than we'd anticipated, which then delayed kind of some of the works. Then the pandemic happened. <laughs> there was a national plaster shortage, which was oh. fun um, to navigate. There was eight months where we couldn't get oh any plaster. Oh, my God. And, I mean, never <laughs> uh, mind COVID. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, the plaster shortage was the pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're kind of, the way that we're doing it is to save, we're saving as we go, and we save a lot of money by doing a lot of the work ourselves. That's kind of one of the key ways we've been able to do it, really. And I've put together a couple of costs. I don't know if people are interested, but essentially phase one is the underfloor under floor insulation. Right. And that's where we've saved a lot of money by doing that ourselves. We're kind of doing it in two phases. So phase one is going to move us from band D to
0: band C in terms of energy efficiency. Right. And then phase two will move us up to an A. And what's the savings then on like monthly, for people who, because I think it hits home when people really understand Mm. the disparity between costs. So what's the different, what's the pricing uh, in terms of bands?
2: Well, I, I mean, I can't speak too much in terms of the band cost and bills. I don't know that information, but... We On the first day that we got our keys, we ripped out the oil-burning boiler. So we have no heating system. We just use the sun. And with the underfloor insulation, we've also put in a log burner. That is all we need to heat our home. So straight away, we are not spending anything to heat the house. Even in winter? Mm, I was just about to say, we're lucky that we have access to wood, because Tom's a farmer. We, we can kind of, if there's a tree struck down by lightning, we go into the field and we cut it down. <laughs> Well, it's already down. we cut it up. So we're not saving money on that. So that would be a cost in terms of the wood. But generally, the sun, the sun is our main source of energy and heat, and that's free. And underfloor insulation means that it's held within the home. Mm. The other benefit of our house, and one thing that the people that built it did very well, is it's south-facing. Now, a south-facing home is like the ideal energy-efficient kind of starting point. It doesn't mean that you can't, make your home energy efficient. If it's not sound-facing, you can. It's just, it's optimal because you're going to maximise the sun's energy all day. When the sun comes out, the sun comes through the windows and the floor insulation means that it's held within the property. And you can feel, like you can genuinely feel it at night time. You come in and it's warm. Um, and it's free, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> uh, apart from the insulation, obviously. Yeah, so so straight away, we have saved, we've saved a lot on our energy bills. All we're paying for in terms of energy at the moment is electric. So we don't have any gas. absolutely amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. And can I ask you a personal question? You Mm. kind of um, mentioned that you had to put down a 10% deposit because it was an agricultural bungalow. Yeah, yeah. You'd also have a a mortgage, don't you, that rewards you for making these um, green choices for your house. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, we're with the Ecology Building Society
2: for our mortgage, which is um, a small independent building society that's been set up with the aim of encouraging people to make their homes more energy efficient or to build newly kind of energy efficient homes from scratch. So the way that the mortgage is set up is it's a variable rate. So our initial rate was a little bit higher than what we could have got potentially elsewhere. But they were very happy with the agricultural tie. They weren't kind of fussy about that in ways that most banks were. Um, And what they do is for every energy band that you move up, you get a 0.5% discount on the interest rate. So over the kind of cost, the lifetime of your mortgage, it's actually cheaper to do this work and make your home energy efficient. You get a discount on your mortgage. So once we get up to the kind of A band, we'll be on pretty much a comparable
0: rate to normal homes. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, you've mentioned that you did and are doing quite a lot of the DIY yourself. (laughs) What's been the biggest challenge or learning so far? The biggest cost saving so
2: far is laying the floor insulation ourselves and the board and the actual insulation comes it's like a 50 mil sheet that comes solid that's quite simple to lay you've just got to make sure that it's all kind of packed together there's no gaps and that it's all measured kind of as tight as you can to the walls and things and then you have these boards tongue and groove boards that lay on top they're quite heavy so you need two people (laughs) but that has has been one of the best things We've done, I think,
0: to do that ourselves. In terms of like where you are with budgeting, because like you're saying, laying the insulation, it's amazing that you've saved so much money. Was that because um, at the beginning you did set yourself a budget and you're sticking to your budget, or was it that you also wanted to do this yourself, the eco home?
2: Yeah, a bit of both. The eco home, interestingly, both Tom and I have both come to eco homes from very different approaches and backgrounds. So mine's through my dad for my entire life he's been an eco warrior back when it was not even on people's radar he was kind of pushing for eco homes and insulation and things like that so that's always been a part of my life and something that I'd wanted to do Tom comes from it so mine's kind of like a green sustainability let's save the earth approach Tom's is like Mm. I do not want to pay bills (laughs) so between (laughs) between us we've got this kind of 2 prong approach to our home where yeah, Tom's is kind of guided by cost saving, but also, interestingly, because of, of the job that he does as a farmer and, and the awareness of the kind of harms around farming for the environment, it's also about offsetting you know, his lifestyle in terms of the world he's been born into, which is farming, is uh, a dairy farmer as well, um, and kind of being aware that that's not necessarily a sustainable way of living. So then trying to kind of do what we can in our, in our home life Uh, to make our kind of lives as green as possible
0: and so where are you at with it all now then so what phase are you in what process are you about to embark on we are at the end of our first phase we've got
2: our ensuite and main bathroom still to insulate the floor and we can't do that because we need to rip all the toilets and everything out so we've been um we've got a little instagram account where we kind of keep People up to date on where we've been going, and that's why I said about the tiling because there's this kind of running joke that it's it's the longest shower in history and <laughs> it's ever been tiled. So that's that's finished now. We've made we've made a little shower room from scratch, and again we built that ourselves, built the stud walls and things. Tom, because he's a farmer, he does plumbing all the time um, on the farm, so he's managed to teach himself through YouTube to fit our shower (laughs) that's amazing yeah like it is it is mad what you can do and then we've got again part of sustainability we've bought a lime scale filter for our house because where we live it's really hard water so it builds up really quick so for the sustainability of our new shower that's taken so long to build (laughs) we've got a lime scale filter so once that's fit that's the kind of last bit that we need to do and then we can finish off the floor insulation and that'll be phase one complete We've also, part of that phase one is to replace all the bulbs with LEDs. And I think there's two bulbs left to replace. Um, And then that's phase one. Then we can start kind of moving to phase two, which is the bigger, more costly ways of kind of retrofitting. So that's about externally insulating the property, making it airtight, so creating an airtight barrier um, between the brickwork and this external insulation, and then moving to kind of replace windows and doors with triple glaze and things like solar uh, renewables and things like that and we will need a loan to do that and we're going to do that through the ecology building society because again part of the mortgage is that they're keen to help you make your property as eco as possible
0: so yeah phase one's almost done What do you think the biggest expense is going to be? I mean, when you said windows and doors, that's Mm. prompted me to ask this question because that Mm -hmm. just sounds expensive. Yes, and it
2: is, especially at the moment. And to be honest, we're kind of putting it off a little bit, um, knowing that stuff's going to probably keep getting more expensive. But there's a number of initiatives and incentives that used to exist. It would have helped the cost anyway. So things like government grants or cash back on, you know, the energy that you produce that goes back into the grid. Under the Conservative government, that's all been scrapped. Um, so we're hoping in years to come that that will return because that does really help people to do this kind of retrofitting work. But there is something that is good, There's a and people can Google this. If you Google installation of energy-saving materials, the VAT, uh, there's a system that the UK offers, which is anything that's to do with retrofitting your property, you can buy those materials through a kind of registered building kind of source or... Uh, firm at it used to be five percent VAT rather than 20 but that's been reduced from March to zero percent so there's a a potentially 20 percent saving there that people can access Um, and that's about claiming your receipts back and that's a great saving mm. Yeah, so anything that you buy, and and it extends with the floor insulation. Because we've had to rip out the floor, we've had to rip out the kitchen, we've had to rip out the showers. So technically, those things are connected to the retrofit.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? I think when people do hear eco-homes, they feel like it's going to be expensive, and they are more expensive than ordinary windows and doors. Mm -hmm. and, And why do you think that is?
2: I think partly... As with kind of capitalism in general, it's about like supply and demand. There's still not a majority of people that are kind of wanting these products. So they're still quite niche, I think, is part of the cost issue. The other reason is materials. Elephant in the room is Brexit. Uh, That has increased the cost of so much. Even things like our radiators, we needed to get um, them. We've still not got them. We want one for our shower room. But the little thermostat that's like a an eco one that kind of regulates, it measures the temperature of the room. That was going to come from Italy and we just can't get it. We <laughs> can't get hold of it. So all these, you know, add cost on. But it, I think it is also about being smart as well. So if you are replacing your windows and doors, whether you can do it all in one or, or kind of individually will affect the cost. So if you can save up and do them, for example, the Green Building Store is a great UK based, again, they've got loads of resources, uh, online that you can access. They are able to give you a better price if you do it all in one. But equally they're quite flexible so you can say, I can only afford to do my doors at this point, but we want some windows, you know, later on, is there anything we can
0: do? And and the lack of the lack of government support, that's a big cost. Mm-hmm. With all that in mind then, what what are the easy wins that people can kind of implement into their pre-existing homes? What for you would be the easy wins that people can do now? I think the easy wins
2: insulation that is key. Insulation is one of the best ways that you can reduce uh, your energy loss and and save uh, money on heating and also prevent that kind of cold coming in as well. Creating kind of airflow restrictors on your taps are great. Turn your plugs off when you're not using them. (laughs) Sounds simple but it's so easy to just leave you know everything on. Like my toaster Tom always laughs he goes mad he's like me never on. All you have to do is flip the switch, on. <laughs> so yeah, anything that, anything that has a light is using energy. You're spending money to light that light. So that's a little thing. Moving over to electric rather than gas is another uh, way that you can instantly, kind of very quickly change the consumption of your home. And then more kind of cheaper things about being an eco-home, things like avoiding... VOCs, which are volatile organic compounds in paints, things that give off toxins in the air. Uh, Get rid of plastic wherever possible. That's when we bought this home, that was one of the big things in our mindset that we shifted. We were just like, we do not want plastic. So we just won't buy it. (laughs) Lots of people get in touch with us. We're quite lucky through our Instagram that people get in touch and and offer us things. But if it's anything to do with plastic, it's just a no, we're not going to bring it inside.
0: (laughs) What do you do when you do your supermarket shopping and the avocados come in that wrap?
2: so annoying. (laughs) I know it is so annoying.
0: Again, this is about, you can't be perfect
2: yet. There's no, you're always going to have some compromises. But things like reducing single use stuff. So we have a lot of like material covers for food. Um, So we don't kind of use any cling film or foil. We just use material. Things like that are little wins. Uh, Swapping wipes for washable things using kind of wooden brushes to wash up rather than plastic sponges, Mm. all these little things. And it actually feels nicer as well when you took, you know, the kind of tactile thing of wood and rather than plastic is actually really nice to live with as Mm. well. So yeah, I think there's a a few easy wins and and insulation I will keep banging on about is one of the best things that people can do. Get your loft, ram it full, keep it warm. (laughs) If When it snows, if you can see, well, if your tiles are straight away... Uh, visible when it snows you've got a lot of leakage from your
0: roof (laughs) oh no okay well well, let's talk about like the interior kind of choices that you've made too so have you kind of with the same ethos with the retrofit have you thought about local independent artisans to get beautiful things for your home from yeah we do and
2: and that's a key again like part of our approach to this house is that in all senses we're trying to be as sustainable as possible and so that sustainability means for us trying to buy UK based where possible to reduce kind of air travel for your products as well as supporting small business. We can get things quite cheaply of course from big companies and that is something that many people need to do you know and this is not kind of saying oh you shouldn't you know buy anything if you can only afford to get things from these kind of cheap places. Great, but look after them. You know, make it so that you're not throwing them away. Uh, Or buy secondhand. Yeah, buy secondhand. You know, there's loads of, like Facebook Marketplace is really good for kind of furniture, upcycling, things like that. Um, So we kind of approach it as we only buy things now that we need (laughs) Um, and not just that look nice. So things like decorating with things that you use, you know, rather than just kind of ornaments and things that might not necessarily have a purpose in our daily life switching it up so that the things that you kind of display are what you generally use so more minimal is what we're going for less is more we're trying to not clutter our home and we're upcycling and repurposing wherever possible we ripped basically ripped the entire house out when we moved in so our garage is full of doors and cupboards and all these kinds of things that we just keep dipping into to use as an example our chicken coop we repurposed a shed that was free and then all the kitchen units that we ripped out we've made into laying boxes we've set some branches in some pallets so that the chickens can sleep on there another example all the flooring offcuts we laid like a herringbone floor you have quite a lot of cuts because it's an awkward pattern Um, and then Tom used those offcuts to make a worktop for our little pantry so we've got like a herringbone floor uh, worktop and it looks really good so it's about being creative I think with a lot of this stuff and yeah trying to reuse things where possible upcycle things maybe give something a new lease of life as something else Uh, another example tom's recently used um, an old door to make a worktop in the garage for his workbench so his worktop is an old door Uh, and again we've not spent anything there so yeah there's lots of things that that you can do and things like paint as well you know coat a paint you will be amazed what a coat of paint can do
0: (laughs) Absolutely Hannah, thank you so much. Is there anything that you like feel like you've missed out that you really want to add or you think that would be useful or helpful for anybody else on this journey? I think use the resources that are there. There's a lot like don't feel like you've got to kind of go out
2: and do research by yourself. There's even just on Instagram, there's loads of accounts that are sharing knowledge. We recommended a few on our Instagram. And the other thing is like Etsy. Etsy is a really great place to shop small. If you're wanting to do little things to kind of change your shopping habits and support small businesses, um, you can find lots of of independent sellers there. And they also have a really great section, which is about to support black owned shops as well. And again, part of sustainability is redistributing that wealth to where it's needed. So think if I need a gift or something like that, I'll try and put my money yeah where where my mouth is really and and with those values Um, and then the other bit of advice is just it's all about baby steps you know no one's claiming that we can all live this kind of eco-perfect life don't get me wrong I'm, I'm going on a flight in September so I think it's all about balance and anything that you can do is better than nothing that's that's the key message I think
0: and it feels great Isn't that incredible news? Our old houses can climb the energy efficiency charts and although it's been an investment for Hannah and her partner, I can only imagine how much they are reaping the benefits. Plus, like Hannah said, it doesn't have to be perfect to make an impact and I think there's plenty of take-home advice in there for all of us eco-warriors. Thank you to Wix for sponsoring So How Do You. Don't forget, small changes make a big difference. So visit wix.co.uk for all your refurb needs. Thank you so much for listening and to all of my wonderful guests this week. Next week, we're going to be diving into the world of stair runners because as lovely as they look, wow, a lot of work does go into them. For more interiors inspo, make sure you check out our Instagram page at SoHowDoYouPodcast and check out our other episodes as they tie in so nicely together. I'm Laura Jackson and that's how you make your home more Rico.